All right, well, I want to welcome everyone and thank you for joining us for worship on this Father's Day weekend. It's good to be with you. If you got a Bible, I want to invite you to take it and turn with me to the book of Proverbs and just hold that ready. I love Father's Day because I'm so thankful for my family and I'm so thankful for the privilege of being a father. This is actually my 36th year as a father. Andrew was born back in 1984. Tricia came along a few, a few years later in 1988. And I can tell you that from the beginning, I didn't have a clue what it meant, what it really meant to be a father. And so there was a lot of learning the hard way. I'm sure many of you would say the same thing. And even though my children are much older today, and now I also have the privilege of being a grandfather, being a father continues to be a significant challenge. But here's what I discovered, or maybe I should say what I was reminded of along the way in my journey as a father. God, who is so faithful, has made sure that we would not face the challenge of fatherhood unprepared. And so by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's given us a manual to use when it comes to leading our families and raising our children. Of course, I'm talking about the Bible. But to be even more specific, I'm talking about the Old Testament book of Proverbs, which is in many ways a lesson book on right living that fathers can use to teach their children. In fact, you see that right from the very beginning in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8 where we read these words, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. <clears throat> I love the book of Proverbs. It's like God has taken the basic principles of life, the basic principles of right living, and packaged them in this book in 31 separate chapters. And they're written in such an economy of effort because they are for the most part very brief and to the point making them easy to remember. So what we're going to do on this Father's Day weekend is we're going to spend some time in the book of Proverbs because one of the primary duties of a father is to teach right living to his children. Yes, fathers certainly have other responsibilities. For example, the responsibility to provide for their children's welfare, their happiness, their growth, and on and on and on. But while you can get all of those things right and give your children every single thing the world has to offer, if you don't teach them how to live right lives, <clears throat> you've failed miserably. So we're going to take a journey uh, through the book of Proverbs. But before we do that, I, I want to just be honest and tell you that uh, this is a message that I actually preached <clears throat> here at Mount Pleasant all the way back in 2005. But I want you to know that I've edited the message for today. And honestly, this message, the things that are in this message, these are things that probably should be shared with fathers over <clears throat> and over again. So let's jump in. All right, if you're someone who likes to take notes, then uh, I'm going to give you several things you can write down. And we're going to begin with this one. Number one, write down next to number one, the words, fear God. And the absolute first thing that we need to teach our children as fathers is to fear God. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. A little later, Proverbs chapter 10, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so, the obvious question related to these verses is what does it mean to fear God? What do we mean by fear? And honestly, there are two answers to that question. First, there's a positive answer. There's a positive, ans a positive answer in that to fear God means to have a reverence for God. It means to have respect for God, to live in awe of Him. Fathers 
That means you have to teach your children about God so they can know who he is. They, you need to teach your children what God is like. You need to teach them his attributes. You need to teach them that God is holy and sovereign, or in other words, that he's in control of all things at all times. You need to teach them that God knows everything, that he is everywhere at the same time, and that he is all-powerful. We have words for that. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's omnipresent. That means God is everywhere at all times. He is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. We have to teach our children that God never changes, and we have to teach them that he's just and that he's merciful and that he's loving and kind and gracious and so much more. And listen, while this is true for all fathers, if you're a father with young children at home, this is especially true for you because learning these truths about God as a young age will be powerful for your children. It will give them a strong foundation for their lives. And so first, there's a positive aspect or a positive side to the fear of God. But second, there's a negative side to the fear of God as well. And what I mean by that is when you teach your children to fear God, you need to teach them to have a healthy fear of God related to his sovereign right to judge and punish sin. Look at these words on the screen from 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I'm sure they'll be familiar to many. Peter writes and says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, <clears throat> but everyone to come to repentance. Clearly, God's first and foremost desire for all of us is our salvation. And because of that, he waits patiently for us to turn to him and for us to trust him. But what we need to teach our children is that God won't tolerate sin and disobedience and rejection forever. I just read 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that talks about the patience of God, his desire for all men everywhere to repent. If you keep reading in verses 10 and 11, 1 Peter, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 10 and 11, this is what he goes on to write. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And then Peter answers this question by saying, you ought to live holy and godly lives. I don't think those words require any real explanation. Fathers need to teach their children both sides of the fear of God, the positive side and the negative side. Fear in the sense of reverence and respect and awe, but also fear in the sense of his righteousness that one day will result in judgment. And let me just add one more thing before we move on to the next point. Uh, one important aspect of teaching your children the fear of God is this. I really believe that when God is feared in that healthy way, that sin is feared as well. And that protects our children's lives. So the first thing fathers need to teach their children that we learn from the book of Proverbs is to fear God. Right down next to number two, the second thing, guard your mind. Guard your mind. Because not only do fathers need to teach their children to fear God, they also need to teach them how important their minds are and how important it is to guard their minds. And listen, <clears throat> this is critical for your children. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, and again, these are probably familiar words because I know we've talked about them many times over the years. But Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That's a powerful verse because, and you know this because we've talked about it, when you read about the heart in the Bible, it's always a reference 
for the mind, which is the source of everything when it comes to our lives. It's the source of all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our choices, all of our will, and on and on and on. Everything in life, in your life and my life, in the life of your children, comes from the heart, both good and bad. No one knew that better than Jesus. And that's why one day in Matthew chapter 15, when Jesus was involved in an argument or a debate with the religious leaders about clean and unclean based on whether or not you washed your hands, he does some powerful teaching about the heart, about the mind. Look at the words on the screen from Matthew 15, verses 17 through 20. Jesus says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false teaching, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Well, what that is, is a strong reminder from Jesus about how important it is simply to guard our hearts. If you want to live a right life, then your heart, your mind needs to be right. And so fathers have the responsibility of making sure that their children's hearts, their children's minds are filled with right things. And when I say right things, I mean righteous things, things that would be right with God. And it's equally important to guard their minds from wrong things. And wrong things can enter the minds of our children in so easy and subtle ways. We need to be vigilant about protecting the hearts or the minds of our children. You know, I have a sister who is 12 years younger than I am, and we've always been very close. I've always been close to her. And one day, and this has been a really long time ago, in fact, friends, it was all the way back in 1978, and you'll see why I can remember that it was in 1978 in just a moment. <clears throat> she was only eight years old, so I was 20 years old. And uh, one day, <clears throat> we were riding in my car together, and the radio wasn't on, but she was sitting next to me and she was singing as we were riding in the car. And I wasn't paying that much attention until she started singing the lyrics to a song from the band Exile that was released all the way back in 1978. That's how I remember this. And she was singing the chorus to the song. And what she was singing, this little eight-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl sitting next to me in my car was singing, I want to kiss you all over. And I can remember thinking, what is happening right now. How in, the, how in the world is my eight-year-old innocent sister singing such provocative words to a song, I want to kiss you all over? And I didn't know what to do about it. I was kind of, kind of puzzled for a few seconds, but then after a, a little bit of time went by, I, I, I looked at her, I said, or I talked to her, I said, Kimberly, I said, I, I don't think you have the words to that song right. I think you might have misheard them when you were listening to the radio or whatever. And by the way, that's probably not a song you should be listening to anyway. But the words to that song actually say, I want to kiss your dog Rover. Not I want to kiss you all over. I want to kiss your dog Rover. And that became, you know, a, a funny joke between the two of us. But I think, you know, a message was communicated and something that we still laugh about today. And now as a mom today, she has three children and she's been very careful in raising them uh, with regard to guarding their hearts or guarding their minds. And I just tell you that story to, to say, listen, if you're a parent, if you are a father, you've got to pay close attention to the things your children are exposed to because they, they can get the wrong kinds of things in their mind in such simple and subtle ways. And if you don't 
if you don't watch, if you're not vigilant, then their hearts will be vulnerable and unprotected. Their minds will be vulnerable and unprotected. So if you're a father, number two, you've got to make sure to guard the hearts, the minds of your children. Let me give you a third thing that we learned from the book of Proverbs. The third thing a father has to teach his, parent, his children rather, is to obey their parents. So write down, obey your parents. It's another great lesson from Proverbs. A father must teach his children to obey their parents. And the foundation for this goes all the way back in the Old Testament to the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, this is actually the fifth commandment, says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And this command is repeated in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, and again in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. And so God is really clear about this responsibility for children to obey their parents. Well, we need to be clear about it as well, and fathers need to teach the importance of that to their children. <clears throat> now, I'm going to pause as we talk about this, and I'm going to say something uh, that is oftentimes not well received. The Bible teaches us really clearly that when we teach our children to obey, oftentimes that's going to require some level of discipline. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now note this next part. As a father, the son he delights in. The Lord disciplines those he loves just like a father disciplines the son that he loves. That's what those verses are saying. If you love your children, you will discipline them when discipline is needed. And then Proverbs goes on to get real specific about discipline. In Proverbs 13, 24, uh, we read these words, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Now here's the deal, and I want you to listen really close because I don't want there to be any misunderstanding about this. I don't know where you as a parent, as a father, fall when it comes to the issue of corporal punishment. If you're the parent especially of a young child, though, you need to identify what the proverb writer calls the rod when it comes to the way you'll discipline your children. Now, many of you are probably like me, and you think back to when you were growing up, and you were disciplined with a switch or a belt. I have a lot of memories of that. Uh, but my memories of that are pretty, pretty bad. And I can tell you that I never used those things to discipline my children. And there's not a single thing that either one of them could have ever done that would have caused me to use those things. Although, to be honest, I do think I threatened Tricia with a belt once or twice or a hundred times when she was little. But the bottom line is, you need to identify what the proverb calls the rod for your children when it comes to discipline. And it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be corporal punishment because there are lots and lots of ways to discipline your children. And you just need to be really thoughtful about this. And so I want you to listen to me. I'm not suggesting that you, that you physically discipline your children. If that's something that you choose and you do it in a reasonable, loving way, then that's what you choose. But there are lots of different ways to discipline your children. But discipline, whatever it will end up looking like in your house, will be essential to your children's growth and development. Paul gives us some great teaching about children obeying their parents in the first three verses of Ephesians 6. I'm going to put Ephesians 6 verses 2 and 3 up on the screen. Paul writes and says, Honor your father and mother. 
which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And listen, when Paul says that it may go well with you, he's simply sharing the truth that when you honor, when you obey your mother and father, you learn the truth that in life, everyone must submit to someone. In fact, let me just ask you a question. Think about this with me. What happens when someone grows up without ever learning that truth that in life, everyone must submit to someone? What happens when you grow up without that truth? Well, I don't know about you, but I think we see the answer to that question pretty much everywhere we look in our world today. Because permissive parenting that fosters disobedient children ends up having a negative impact on our society and our culture. And there's no question about that. And so Paul goes on to say that honoring, again, that means obeying your father and mother, can actually lead to enjoying a long life on the earth. Now, let's be practical. That's not some kind of an ironclad promise. That's a lot like a proverb in that it tells us what life will be like if we do certain things under normal circumstances and conditions. And so it's this simple. A person who grows up disobeying his or her parents will often put themselves on a path that leads to destruction because of destructive behavior. I don't think you can debate that. At the same time, a person who grows up honoring, obeying, his or her parents, has a much better chance of living a good life for a long time. And so fathers, this comes right from God's word. Teach your children to obey, and if necessary, use some form of discipline to help them learn the importance of obedience. Let me give you a fourth thing. Right down next to number four, the book of Proverbs tells us that we need to teach our children as fathers, we need to teach our children to choose friends carefully. And I'm going to be brief with this point, but that's not because it's not as important as the rest. In fact, if there's one area of life where you really need to be on the offensive as a dad, it's in this area of teaching your children to choose the right kind of friends. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 through 19 up on the screen, and I'm going to read them, but I'm going to do something a little bit different from what I normally do, and I'm going to put them up there in the message translation, which is really more of a paraphrase, a paraphrase of the Bible. Listen, look at and listen to how it reads. Dear friend, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. If they say, let's go out and raise some hell, let's beat up some old man, mug some old woman, let's pick them clean and get them ready for their funerals, we'll load up on top quality loot, we'll haul it home by the truckload, join us for the time of, our, of your life, with us it's share and share alike. Oh friend, don't give them a second look. Don't listen to them for a minute. They're racing to a very bad end, hurrying to ruin everything they lay their hands on. Nobody robs a bank with everyone watching, yet that's what these people are doing. They do, they're doing themselves in. When you grab all you can get, that's what happens. The more you get, the less you are. Now, honestly, that, that's a paraphrase filled with some wild things, some crazy things. But I hope that you'll focus on the intent of the passage. What's the intent? The intent is you've got to use discretion, and that's a word I want you to hang on to. You've got to use discretion when it comes to who you spend time with, who you allow to influence your life. In fact, let me give you a great verse from the book of Proverbs about discretion. It's Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 11. Very simple. The proverb writer simply writes, discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Let me read that again. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. And honestly, if you're a dad, that's a verse 
you should teach to your children. You should teach them the meaning of the word discretion, and then you should have your children memorize that verse so that it stays with them for their entire life. And this is a critical thing. We've got to be really vigilant when it comes to teaching our children about choosing their friends, choosing who they allow to influence their life. But I want to say one last thing before I move on. That This, this whole idea of being very careful about who you choose your friends or how you choose your friends and this whole idea about using discretion with when it comes to friendship doesn't mean that under, un, under any circumstance, your children should never be friends with or spend time with someone who is not a Christian. What it comes down to, again, is just discretion. You need to just make sure that your children know that when they spend, some, when they spend time with someone who doesn't share the same faith that they do, that they need to be the one who brings the influence. They need to provide the influence. I think about our One Life initiative and, and how we, we train people to do personal evangelism. It's based on developing friendships, discovering stories, and discerning next steps. Developing friendships with people who don't share the same faith that we do, but making sure that we're the ones who do everything we can to provide the influence in the relationship. All right, let me give you a fifth thing. We're moving through this pretty quickly. The fifth thing that I want you to write down that we're taught from the book of Proverbs is this. Fathers, you need to teach your children to watch their words. So write down the words, watch your words. Look at these words from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, and then verse 24. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. How would you put those two verses in your own words? How about something like this? Son, daughter, this is really important, so pay close attention. Watch your words. Watch your language. Now, there's no way we have enough time to talk about this in detail because we're covering so many different things. And detail is what this deserves. But here's a great verse that gives us a summary of the importance of making sure we speak right words. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Now, who wouldn't want that kind of thing said about them? Who wouldn't want someone to say about them that when they opened their mouth to speak, they were so encouraging and so uplifting and so timely and so appropriate with the words that they spoke that their words became like a fountain, a refreshing fountain of life. You know what we need to do as parents and what you need to do as a father? We need to teach our children that one of the biggest lies that they could ever hear or ever believe is the lie that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And what we really need to teach them is true is this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. Words have the power to break someone's heart, their spirit, their identity, their self-worth. We need to teach our children to watch their words. Let me give you a sixth and a final thing. We learned this from the book of Proverbs, and this is an important responsibility of fathers. We need to teach our children to manage money. Now, I've talked to you about this so much over the last almost 20 years from the perspective of the book of Proverbs in particular. I've talked about it on several occasions. I've told you I don't think you can find a more practical book in all the world when it comes to the management of money than what you find in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs gives us 
a, a four-part plan for money management that anyone can follow and be successful with. And I've shared it with you several times. Let me just remind you of what it is. Number one, keep track when it comes to managing money. Keep track. Most people are in trouble when it comes to their finances because they don't really know what the condition of their finances really is. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says, Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. And that's just this whole idea of keeping track of your financial resources uh, from ancient days, because that would be, in ancient days, tied up in things like flocks and herds. But the bottom line is, you've got to keep track of what's going on when it comes to your financial life. If you don't keep track, that's a recipe for financial disaster. The second thing is plan ahead. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent, you've got to plan ahead. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. I've told you this before. Most people today live their life like they're bulletproof, like no bad thing is ever going to happen to them. And so when a health problem comes or some kind of a significant home repair comes or car repair or some kind of an issue like that, then they're unprepared financially because they didn't plan ahead for the possibility of any problem. The third thing is the book of Proverbs says that we need to save consistently. My favorite proverb, Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. We need to save consistently. And you notice that the beauty of this verse from Proverbs, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. The beauty of this verse is it's not focused on how much money you save, just the fact that you get involved saving money, even if it begins with a very small amount. You do that over a period of time. You take advantage of the miracle of compounding interest, and it doesn't take a lot of money to one day create a lot of money. The fourth thing is give habitually. And I think generosity is at the heart of God. We need to teach this to our children. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And here's the result. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God blesses us when we give. The blessing can come in a variety of different ways, but God, God blesses us when we give. But beyond all these things, here's why we need to teach our children uh, about the importance of managing money. When you teach your children how to manage money, what you're going to do is you're going to end up teaching them some important truths about God. Think about it. When you teach your children about money from a biblical perspective, you're teaching them that God is the source of all wisdom because there are some 2,350 verses in the Bible about money and possessions. When you teach them about money, you're teaching them that everything belongs to God. And so you're teaching them about the importance of being a good steward when it comes to your relationship with God. When you teach them about money, you teach them about the generosity of God and His desire for us to be generous in the way we live our lives. When you teach your children about money, you're teaching them about contentment because the Bible has a lot to say about being content with what you have. And I could go on and on. Here's the bottom line, Dad. Do not, do not let your children grow up to be financially illiterate. Teach them how to manage money. Well, there's so many other things we could talk about, but I'm going to stop right there, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, so I need to close. <clears throat> I'm going to say what I said in the beginning again. I love Father's Day. I do. Because I'm so thankful for my family, so thankful to, for the privilege of being a father. But I know that Father's Day is a difficult time for some men because their earthly father or their relationship with their earthly father was imperfect and painful. And I also know for a lot of men it would be easy to listen to this message and be overwhelmed with only one thought, and that's the thought is my father never did any of that for me. He never did any of those things for me. He never taught me anything like that. 
And honestly, I could jump on that bandwagon. That's been my experience. I know the pain that comes from the reality of not having a, a great relationship with your earthly father can sometimes be overwhelming. And if you fall into that category today, I've got something really important that I want to say to you as we close. If we as fathers, men, if we as fathers, don't seek to transform that pain that we have from having an imperfect father or an imperfect relationship with our father, and God can help us to transform that pain. If we don't transform that pain, we're going to end up transferring it to others. And oftentimes, that means we'll transfer it to our own sons and our own daughters. Listen to me close. Don't let that happen. Break the cycle starting today. Don't let that happen. Let me close by just simply reading Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And like I did earlier, it's a little bit unusual, but I'm going to read it from the message. I'm going to read these verses. That's how we'll close, and then I'll pray. Listen, friends, to some fatherly advice. Sit up and take notice so you'll know how to live. I'm giving you good counsel. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. When I was a boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother... He would sit me down and drill me. Take this to heart. Do what I tell you. Live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forage for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate one inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace, your days with beauty. This is what's at stake for our children, fathers. Let's make sure that we're the kind of fathers who give our children this kind of counsel. And listen. If you are a father who is fortunate enough to have a father or have had a father who gave you that kind of counsel, then thank them today. Even if they're gone, thank them through a prayer. Let's be fathers that honor God. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for the time to talk about uh, the great blessing, but also the great responsibility of being a father. And I pray that all of us who fall into that category, will take these words to heart and we'll father our children in a way that points them to you and a way that honors you. And I pray that in Jesus' name.